¿Qué onda, primos y primas? And welcome back to My Primos Podcast. My name is Freddy, and with me tonight is my primo and yours. We have Mr. Kevin Garcia.com. Say what's up, Kevin. What's up? <laughs> Dang it. Right when you said that, I saw water. Oh, man. I caught you off guard, man. You got to be ready on this show. Well, honestly, we're, we're in a scary month, man. You got scary stuff going on. It's going to make you jump. As long as, as long as your heart doesn't stop while we're doing this. Hold on. You, Wait. Hold on. Yeah, it's still going. It's still going. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. I mean, maybe that will make for great podcasting. You know, we never know. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. This is content. Record it. Uh, but Kevin, welcome back, man. I'm glad you're on the show with me tonight. But also, out of the darkness, we have Mr. I don't know, Mr. Safe Word himself, man. Mr. Edin, our producer behind the scenes, the, the wizard behind the curtain, the producer that we never get to see. But he's a big part of the show. Mr. Edin, say what's up. How's it going, guys? This has been quite a minute. I, I got it. Since I've been on the show, I've heard your name it so has. many times, and this is my first time hearing your voice when I'm talking. So I'm like, you exist. I thought you were <laughs> I thought you were some kind of mythological creature. It was Walter all along. He's ethereal. He's a vapor. <laughs> Wait, you're actually Walter all along? Oh, my Lord. I've been Walter all along. No wonder you asked it's different, just different personalities. Yeah, that's fair. That's, that's why fair. he has so many names, right? That's what it is. That's yeah. why Walter always changes his name. But Primos, yeah. thanks for coming. Uh, join us this evening. We're gonna have a lot of fun. We're gonna talk about, uh, well, I mean, we're gonna talk about Werewolf at Night, werewolf uh, the night. Disney Werewolf by Night, the the Disney Plus show that just uh, I would say special that came out this past week. Uh, but of course, we're, we want you guys to know that you can find us everywhere on social media at My Primos Podcast, and the show comes to you week to week for free. But Actually, this week, guys, I have a little surprise for you. Kevin, you would be happy to hear. We got a voicemail. Can you Voice? believe it? We got what? a voicemail. Wait, wait, wait. Somebody, There's a way that listeners can leave us voice messages? I know, right? If you go to our link tree and all of our social media, there's a link right there you can click on where you can leave us a voicemail. Tell us your thoughts, rant and rave, and the ever-so-sought-after hate mail that we want. So... I am going to share with you the most recent email. I have a little link that I got right here. So last week we talked about uh, sacrifice. Do you remember we talked about sacrifice and how mm -hmm. you know Walter went into this rant about sacrificing yourself and things for different kind of gods, etc. Right. I just so this comes did. from from Josh. He's a longtime listener, and here's what he says. What's up, Primos? It's Josh Loera, Time Machine Creative. And um, yeah, I really like the point y'all were making about sacrifices to to cap to capitalism because I feel like it more than I like the cases that when I tell people about my comic of Aztec superheroes for kids, the response is always referencing the uh, sacrifices of Aztecs. Um, but people don't ever have a problem with um, fantasizing about, you know, the British monarchy with Bridgerton or Hamilton, Hamilton and all that stuff, even though these uh, power structures uh, literally murdered thousands of brown people. And so from then until now, these sacrifices of capitalism have always been brown and black people or more popularly been brown and black people. And, and uh, impoverished people. Oh, yeah, what, what Josh there is saying is kind of what I was talking about, where um, people talk when they hear Aztec, Maya, you know, these things, they're always like, oh, that's where they had sacrifices, right? They had sacrifices. And the truth is, yes, they did, but not like it's often portrayed, not in the idea that like every single person is going to get killed or that people are just being screaming and dragged up to the top and all this kind of stuff like that. Because like, like Josh said, all these other cultures that, that are just praised in Western media were built on the backs of other people. You know, you got yeah. slavery that built America, like he mentioned Hamilton. Uh, yeah. You know, he mentioned uh, the British, you know, beheadings over there were, if you look at Britain and France, they would do beheadings and that was a public spectacle. People would come out to the streets to watch it. And yet, and yet when, when Western uh, voices 
white voices mostly talk about Aztecs. They say, oh, well, they were they were savages that would would just sacrifice people in the streets. And it's like, yeah. And they were doing it the same time that they were doing it in Europe. The big difference is, is that I would say from from our records, from the stories, from the passed down legends, uh, most of the sacrifices were very often people that kind of agreed with it. I mean, I don't know about the moment that the knife is coming down, but, yeah. you know, it was part of their faith. It was part of what they believed. Um, that being said, were there brutal sacrifices? Yes. Were they bloody and, and stuff that you'd see in Hellraiser? Sure. Uh, but don't use that as an excuse to other the Mesoamerican people because they aren't some other foreign thing. They are, they're, they're a civilization, much like anything out of Europe or China or anywhere else. Hell, they were the largest civilization in the world at the time, right before the Spaniards got there. There was the largest, most populated city in the world was in Mexico, you know? Uh, and yet uh, the, the go-to is always, oh, well, it's just they they were they were sacrifices constantly. I have another friend who's also making a children's book based on Aztec mythology. And he's also pointing out that, yeah, sacrifice is part of life, but he uses it more as a spiritual or metaphorical sacrifice because he's doing a children's book. And again, it doesn't have to have just gallons of blood everywhere, like some of the Spaniard legends would say. Um, and, and again, that's not to say that bloody sacrifice didn't happen. It's just not like that. And also don't pretend that everybody else's hands were clean. Exactly. I think that, thank you, Josh, of course. And you guys uh, check out, he's uh, been a long time listener and check out his work. His book is called Nawali Kids. Um, they are, like you said, uh, Aztec superheroes. He has an origin story. He has four issues out. Check him out at timemachine.crtv. Uh, he has had a couple successful Kickstarters as well. Keep an eye on him. Uh, he's a big supporter, and we support him as well. So thank you, Josh. And I agree. Uh, I think that it's a it's something that gets constantly, constantly, constantly bashed over the heads of everybody that this specific culture, this is use the Aztecs, for example, is this savage, scary, dangerous time. And the saviors, white saves, the Spanish saviors, whoever came and, and stopped this. But they were doing it like any other culture was doing it at the time. Right. Like everything, everything is unfortunately has that and we can't ignore it. You know, we can't ignore that that's a reality for any civilization. But it also comes down to looking at the Aztecs as, hey, it wasn't just uh, how people have painted that picture of just random savages. It was a great mm -hmm. civilization that was as grand and as big as these European ones are. Let's not let them diminish it. So, And to be fair, when we, when we call them Aztecs, by the way, somebody, somebody might bring it up. In fact, I would hope somebody would. We're using the common term that is used in modern day English to discuss their sure. culture. They called themselves Mexica, and they were, when we say Aztecs, it's a whole combination of different peoples under the Mexica. So, yeah, but either way, no, thank you're you. Right, Kevin, you're right. Right. No, thank great. you. And of course, Primos, like we said before, hit that link in the link tree on all our social media. Let us know your thoughts on today's show, past episodes. If you're catching up, no worries. Throw it out there. We're here to talk about it, and I'm glad you guys are engaged. So, indie yeah. comics. Yes, I've been reading some indie comics recently, and one I wanted to bring up, which is very interesting. And I thought it was one that I can introduce to Walter because Walter's not as as read up on a lot of the books, right? But he does have an open mind. He loves comic books and he loves the idea of what they can present. And this one's called Survival Street. I don't know if you heard of this one, Kevin. It's from Dark Horse. I've heard the name. Oh, wait. Is this the one that's kind of like uh, the Muppets? Yeah, the Muppets. Oh, man. I want to read it. It looks so good. It's so much fun. And what it is is pretty much uh, just think, you know, I don't know, 10 years in the future, somehow, some way, uh, they've passed laws to where corporations can be considered uh, individuals and they can run for public office. But can, can you imagine that? Corporations being considered people and then like owning things like the Muppets and children's television? That would mm -hmm. never happen in today's world. Of course not. Yeah, oh. it's, too, it's too close to home, man. And so they end up passing laws where corporations can run for office and actually become president of the country. And so not only that, they privatized everything, including public vision was one of the last things that they wanted to monetize. If it wasn't making money, it needs to be getting rid of. And they basically attack and shut down the a version of Sesame Street, if you will. And the cool thing is that these Muppets are real creatures that yeah. are Muppet folk. They're not puppets. They're Muppet folk, if you will. They're actually living, breathing creatures that are, you know, 
advocates for education and, you know, just everything we kind of know and love about those, those series. But they end up getting either arrested, killed, exiled, and you flash forward that they're actually leading the revolution to take back, uh, you know, being able to bring education and bring uh, like real ideas because everything's been kind of either uh, like controlled, destroyed as far as uh, literature goes, film, art, and these Muppets are leading the revolution against it. It is very fucking good. I'll put it out there. It's fun. Everything I've heard about this is amazing. Um, yeah. You, so, how many issues have it, are out so far? How many, how many have you read? It's only two issues. Um, I've read one issue. The second one, I'm about halfway through it. It's great. It's through Dark Horse, and I'm loving it, man. I'm going to try to follow through the series. I don't know how many they've set up for, but, I mean, it's it's really absurd, but because it's absurd, it, it's funny. It's, like, awesome. Like, it's so ridiculous, but... The idea of the corporations taking over and being, you know, real entities is a real thing. You know, that's really happening. How many laws aren't being passed to where someone can hide behind a company or, you know, a tax ID? You know what I mean? It's happening. Are, are you aware that the the Muppets, you know already the Muppets are owned by Disney, right? Yeah, Are you of aware that, that Disney does not own Sesame Street? Sesame Street's owned by a, a company out of Germany? I didn't know that. See, that's crazy to me. The Muppets got split up, you know. Jim Hansen died, mm. and and the Muppets get split up. It's just, it's just nuts. Do you think that obviously it's always sad to hear that, right? When someone that creates the art or creates the characters has a vision, and then because of business, it just becomes something completely different. Yeah, you can't, you can't even have crossovers like you used to. Not anymore. You know, characters, right? Indie characters, these are are fun. They're just out of the box. I think a long time ago, I remember talking to. Uh, Javier Hernandez, mm -hmm. uh, creator of El Muerto. Yeah. Uh, we were talking and I kept saying, oh, I want a reboot of this, a reboot of that. And he kind of stopped me in my tracks and he's like, no, you know what? I'm done with reboots. I want something brand new, something completely different. And he's right. I, you know, we're all kind of comfortable with the reboot, you know, kind of recycle stuff because it's comfortable. But the, something like this comes out of nowhere. It takes something that you're comfortable with or think you knew about and takes it in a whole other direction. So that's what I really enjoy about it. All right, I'm definitely gonna check that out. I've I've, yeah. I've actually been been looking for more comics lately. Uh, we were talking about last week how the uh, the Nam Namor character has been turned into a Latin American uh, hero for the movies, and yeah. uh, and I was saying I, I as somebody who researched Namor and researched Mesoamerica, I have no problem with that. It makes sense to me. Uh, but now Werewolf by Night is also being introduced to the movies as a as a Latino superhero. Uh, the character, the same exact character in the comics is Romanian in origin. Um, but here he's Latino, played by a guy who actually references his heritage in the movie, which which is, I think, cool. Uh, Can I say something about that? And I'm curious. I really wanted to pick your brain about this because I saw it on social media. And I think the gentleman's name is the story guy or story time guy. I don't know if okay. you've seen him. All right. uh, he does a lot. He's a Latino guy, does a lot about Marvel you have no Latino characters or no Latino superheroes. Like he's very vocal about that, right? Yeah. And a lot of the time I kind of jump on board and go, oh, you know, I like what he's talking about, right? So, but he went right after this character and says, we're looking at a uh, werewolf by night played by a Latino character, but that's not a Latino character. Yeah. And I go, okay. But in the backlash and in the comments, everybody's talking like, oh, you know, why is Marvel trying to Latinize everything? Hmm. Well, I think the argument also comes in not just Latinize, but just uh, to use the word that we talked about the other day on, on our podcast, inclusion, to create more inclusion. Because, uh, you know, using the Eternals as the example before, these were characters that for the most part were all white. Uh, little uh, Several years into their run, we had one black character and one Asian character, but for years they were all white. Um, not because they had to be by any origin reason, just because that's how characters were drawn. So when they made a movie, they said, you know what, let's make them different things. Um, the question becomes, is there enough source material to have a Latino or Latina or Latinx superheroes? I mean, we got Miss America showed up in, uh, in, in Doctor Strange, and she's a character from the comics who was already Latina, you know? Um, 
what, what do you think, Freddie? Do you think they should change them? Do you think we should dig? So here's what I'm thinking, right? I mean, I'm, I'm op very open-minded. We tend to kind of dance this this dance, this delicate dance, right? Mm -hmm. Because when it's a Latino character played by a white character, we have a problem. Yeah, white right? actors, yeah. White actors, white actors. Just put, call it what it is. But when, but when a white character is now played by a Latino character, not just, not just, um, and I guess I want to be very cautious how I say this, but not just the fact that he's playing, the character's name is Jack Russell in the comic book, right? But in yeah. this movie, we were talking to talk about here more thoroughly, they his don't mention the last name. Well, his birth name is Rusoff. So, so Jack Russell is, is kind of an alias of his, which would make sense no matter what background he has, that he'd have a fake name named after sure. a dog breed. Uh, yeah, but but, so but in the original comic, he's he's Rusov, and he is a uh, like I said, Romanian. So then we come into that conversation. Hey, I would love to see a, a Latin Latine or Latinx or Latin char Latino character uh, that is all through and through that race, mm -hmm. that heritage, ethnicity. Yeah, ethnicity. Thank you for I'm reaching for the word, the ethnicity for it. Because if we we adapted to that then that's the character that's this version of this of this character it's not going to say oh he's pretending to be white or he's pretending to be romanian in the case of the original source material right this character is through and through designed this way but then if it's flipped or reversed people have problems with it and here's where i stand i stand to the fact that for god knows 80 years it's always been the same white people as the comic book characters We've, we've, we've addressed that there's a very small amount of the right ethnicities in these things for representation. We can make the changes necessary to make sure we include people of whatever ethnicity needs to be included, maybe even genders. You know, make those gender swaps if we need them. I'm okay with that. But I'm also not as connected to some of these characters that have been swapped or have been adapted. There's people that have a real hardcore connection to certain characters. Like if Namor, an example, wasn't taken into consideration and taken as a Latine character. Well, how would you, how would you feel if it was completely a different ethnicity? Well, the, from the comics, all we ever really had on him is that he had a white father uh, of Scottish descent, and that his mother was from this literally fictional culture. The creator of Namor refused for what was it? Uh, see, from twenty thirty years, he refused to give a specific cultural background to the people of Namor's mother, referring to them only as the undersea people from the undersea kingdom. He did not give them any culture. People asked them, are they Greek? Are they Atlantis? And he said, no, Atlantis is from a Greek story. So they could have been anything. They could have been African in origin. They could have been Mesoamerican in origin. You know, they could have been uh, anything really. So I personally, I think that works. You know, you know think, what's funny? Yeah, go ahead, I'm sorry. You mentioned a second ago about having white actors play Latino roles. You know, uh, She-Hulk, we got Pug, uh, who's one of the main characters of She-Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> He's played by Josh uh, Segarra, who is a Puerto Rican actor, a Puerto Rican-American actor. Well, he's Puerto Rican, he's American. <laughs> Puerto Rican actor. Uh, and he he's playing a white role. So I find that interesting. What are we going to hear when the Adams Family comes out, right? Everybody's kind of oh, yeah. up in arms about that, too. Guzman is great. He's perfectly cast. Oh, he's in he's fucking perfect. But <laughs> someone's going to come along and go, Gomez isn't like that. And I was like, oh, really? Gomez, Gomez, the name Gomez doesn't doesn't lean in a certain way, but whatever. You know, I'm doing no, but you know, let's let's move forward. Let's move along. Let's talk about the the wolf in the the big giant wolf in the room here. So we watched Werewolf, Werewolf by Night. Evin literally has probably just finished or close to finishing this film. Evin, fresh off your just viewing it. Give us your well. Hold on, everybody. I guess are we okay with spoilers here for everybody? Spoilers. If somebody wants to listen to our podcast by this point, we've spoilers. given you enough time to catch up and watch the show. Definitely. All right. So spoilers ahead. Spoilers ahead. If you don't want to listen to this now, fully understand. Go watch it. Come back and finish up the show with us, guys. All right. So, Edin, you're safe. What are your thoughts? I'll have you go first. What are your thoughts on Werewolf by Night? Uh, I don't know, like, so, so just by watching this right now, it reminds me, it reminds me 
it takes me back to the early 90s when I would see, you know, I think it was, it was kind of like Saturday night, maybe Channel 5. Like when you're watching TV shows like at 2 in the morning and they play the old black and white horror movies? Exactly. And yeah. I would see the like the Frankenstein movies. Yes. I would I see would the Godzilla, King Kong. Exactly. So when I was watching this, it took me back to that. Notice just play at the beginning of the movie, when they show it's a black and white movie, but at the beginning they have this technicolor bright special presentation thing. That's meant to look like when you'd stay up at night and see the little intro in color, and then it would go to the old 50s thing. So they were thinking with you in mind when they did that. <laughs> Oh, well, they did their research. They obviously <laughs> did their research. So, no, so it, it took me to that, and I was like, oh, this is... And the thing is, there's many, I guess, films uh, that attempted that, and this... And, you know, it's kind of like an homage, but this felt like that. Yeah, definitely. If, if, if you get what I'm trying to say. You know what? It, I think like, you said homage, because you're right. There's a lot of shows that will try to imitate exactly uh, you know, they, they recently did, uh, recently, like five, six years ago, um, on what was it, Once Upon a Time, that TV show? Yeah, I remember that. They did a whole black and white episode of like their version of Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. uh, and heck, even if you go back to Young Frankenstein, that was flat out a parody. But this is, yeah. not, this is not referencing any specific movie. Like, I couldn't even find a scene that was like, oh, that's a scene to this movie. It's more of the feel of those movies. And yeah, yeah. Exactly. homage is exactly the right word, I think. So yeah, no. So was it called the? No, so it felt like uh, again. Uh, it felt like okay, it's just one of the movies from that era, and they definitely captured the spirit of it. Uh, at first, I uh, since I'm not really versed in the monsters universe, I don't know if that would be the right word because I know that. Yeah, no, that feels right. That feels right. The monster oh. corner of the Marvel verse. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, right. is it Kevin? Is there? There he is, but. How connected is the monster corner of the Marvel Universe to the MCU? Really not very much, uh, even in the comics. Um, you, know, you know, it's funny that you were saying you had trouble connecting with it, I think, because you were not familiar with it. I've already had several people come contact me as, the, as their, you know, friendly Marvel expert. Uh, and it's like, they love the movie. They thought it was funny or they thought it was exciting. But they were like, I didn't understand this. I understand that. I understand this. Because the movie just kind of drops you into it. It doesn't explain where the hunters are from or what they hunt. It doesn't explain True. why they know what they know. It doesn't even explain why people's heads catch fire a couple times. Like that happens more than once in the movie. And they don't oh, yes. um, yeah. And like, I can explain that to you why that is. But when you ask Freddie, uh, how connected are the monsters to the rest of Marvel? Uh, to give you an idea of how disconnected they are, you know that most of the Marvel superheroes are in New York City, right? Most, yeah. Yeah, well, below New York City, there's a couple other cities, right? It was just kind of crazy. There's like the Morlocks who interact with the X-Men and there's other stuff. Well, way down below all those other cities is literally a place called Monster Metropolis. And it is actually yeah. a giant city underneath New York City where all the monsters go to live unmolested. They go down there so that hunters don't go after them. So you have down there werewolf will show up sometimes, Frankenstein's monster. There is a guy called the Manphibian who's literally just the creature from the Black Lagoon, you know. Nice. And they all just kind of go down there and hang out with their families where they're hoping <laughs> human hunters won't come after them. Uh, which kind hey, of the Futurama episodes yeah. where they're just like, like just like Futurama. Okay. Uh, don't get me wrong, they, they do hunt and kill humans occasionally, but who doesn't? You know? Like yeah, who you, you gotta you gotta leave, you gotta eat killed humans. But you know, can I can I touch on that? I love that they dropped us in. My yeah. son watched it with me because you know I'm kind of dragging him kicking and screaming sometimes to watch stuff but he wasn't for this one he was definitely interested because he loves horror movies just campy horror movies and he loves oh, yeah. good kind. storytelling right so we watched it my wife was half watching it but then got sucked right into it it's a great compelling little story he was like i love that they dropped me in and it was within that one hour or so 55 minutes i got a whole story yep Yep. Like I didn't need to know about the history of everybody. Yeah. I didn't need to know about history, anything. You know enough about them to care about them, and that's all that mattered. Yeah, because their personality comes right out at the beginning. The way it was written, the characters kind of that first scene where they're walking around that chamber with all the, the mounted heads, and they're kind of introducing themselves. 
the Scotsman kind of threw me the guy with the beard because out of nowhere he became the first antagonist, first attacker. Like, whoa. Yeah. Well, honestly, like, he's like the really the only actual antagonist, and he's not even around for the whole movie. No, and he also gave you this vibe early on, like, oh hey, what's up? It's kind of lonely out here. You know, he kind of threw a little bit of humor By the with way, Jack. I we're talking about casting and who can play who. I gotta talk about who plays the Scotsman. Um let's so, talk about him. Yeah, so I, I'm sure most people have not heard of them unless you're in a very specific geek circle. But uh, Kirk Thatcher is not known for acting. Uh, he's mostly been a special effects guy. He's mostly a behind-the-scenes guy. guy done, a, done, done a little bit of voice work. Yeah, he's directed Muppet movies. But yeah. here's the big thing with him. Um, if you just Google Star Trek punk boombox, you'll see him. Anybody who knows Star Trek knows exactly the scene I'm talking about. Because uh, in Star Trek Four. There's a scene where uh, they're back in time in 1986, 84, and they're on a bus in San Francisco, and this punk is playing really loud punk music on his boombox. Wow, um, I see it. And, well, what happened is that Leonard Nimoy, the director, wanted to have the scene, and Kirk goes, hey, since we don't have rights for any punk music, can I write the music for you and make it? And Leonard Nimoy's like, sure. And then he says, well, since I made the music anyway, can I be the punk listening to the music in the bus? And Leonard Nimoy's like, sure. So Kirk becomes the punk who's playing the music that he created, and then Spock knocks him out. And then <laughs> what's, great, what's great about this guy is they've brought him back more than once. So he has come back to the Star Trek universe and other time travel stories recently, and he's also in the Marvel universe. In, really? in Spider-Man Homecoming, there's a scene... Uh where this guy is, Peter's up on the top of the roof and this guy goes, hey, Spidey, do a backflip or whatever. Next to him is this old ah. boombox. That's him. That's Kirk. Wow. He's got the boombox again. And Kevin Garcia, he everybody. Here he is in the Marvel Universe again as a Scottish monster hunter. And I love it. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe this guy got that. I didn't know that much about him. I loved him just because yeah. the fact that he gave you that like, Okay, they're they're hum they're humanizing these killers. Well, they right? humanize one of them. The other three guys don't get personality, but he gets personality. True, true. But I love that we dropped us in. Right? I know you. I wanted to touch on that before we kind of get your 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 thoughts here, Kevin. But like dropping me into it, they gave you enough of a little like sip of that brew of the bloodstones. Right? Yeah, yeah, Here's yeah. where we are, and they give you the narration and all this, and kind of gets you in. Cool. But okay, your thoughts, Kevin. Overall, what do you think of the film? Overall, I loved it. It was exactly what I hoped it would be. Um, in fact, I, uh, it was it was even more than I hoped it would be because, okay, I, I, I've mentioned a couple times before in passing, we've never gone into detail about it, that Endgame really? angers me, uh, that a lot of people love Endgame. But I'll be honest, part of what the reason, I know, I know, part of the reason Endgame angers me is because I allowed myself to do the one thing I never do, and that is try to predict what's going to happen. And I think my predictions would have been a better movie, and that's on me. That's not their fault. You know, I'm the same but way in this movie. As I'm watching it, I was like, Man, I hope that that Jack's already an established werewolf. He was, oh, I hope that like he doesn't become a werewolf for the entire movie. He didn't. I was like, You know what? As soon as Man Thing showed up, I was like, Man, I hope that Jack and Man Thing are already friends and we don't have to deal with them. They were already friends, it was perfect. Like, they even <laughs> referenced Man Thing's actual name, which doesn't even come up that much in the comics. What's his name? Ted. <laughs> Ted Salas is his name. And, and uh, by the way, he's got this really unique origin you've never heard before. A scientist is working on a serum in the woods and he gets betrayed by some evil scientist organization and they try to shoot him and he falls into the swamp while injecting himself. And Remember that swamp thing? Yeah, there is na, some other na, na, swamp na, na, creature that has a similar origin. I just can't think of who it is. Here's the, here's yeah. the really funny part. While they both have the exact same origin, Man-Thing appeared first by a few months. Oh, you're that guy. Wait, but but it's not <laughs> even that cut and dry. It's even crazier because it turns out the guy that created Man Thing and the guy that created Swamp Thing, they were roommates the year before. Blasphemy. <gasps> uh, it's hard to tell what copied what. And they're, and none of them are around anymore. So it's kind of hard to ask them. I don't know. So I like Swamp Thing. I grew up with those movies in the 80s, man. Actually, the, the, guy who, the guy who told me about the roommate situation was one of the early creators. Uh, Bernie Wrightson, he passed away a couple years ago, but I was talking to him about it. And he's like, yeah, I don't want to talk about it, but they were roommates. And I was like, <laughs> <it's> like okay. <laughs> but Man-Thing is, is, was fun. He didn't take up the whole film, right? It wasn't about Man-Thing. And, yeah. and honestly, that's true to the comics. Man-Thing had his own comic for years, and he was never the main character in a single issue. Never. Uh, yeah. 
He was you know the editing I... of it. Every, oh, yeah. every episode, but never mentioned. Your man thing. There you go, uh, Eddie. You are the no, man thing. No, but you know what I liked about it, too? Like, you, how you guys mentioned that, that they live, that they give, they don't really go into depth into their background. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what I liked about it is it's, you You don't, since you have very little information about them, now you depend on emotions, on feelings. And since being October, since it's spooky season, obviously you, you get more into, at least I feel more like, okay, there's terror, they're afraid. I don't know, like the fact that I was like, a, a, my, me viewing this movie, depending a lot on, on uh, the sensation of fear. Uh, and I don't know, that's just something that I like, again, uh, since I don't know who they are, what's their background, it's also kind of like feeling it out as it goes. So that's one thing, I, one aspect that I, I liked about this movie. When you said, um, when you said a sensation of fear, and earlier you called it really cheesy or, or some other word like that, uh, uh, campy, you said, I think. And the thing is, yeah. it is the idea of fear. Uh, it, it's not like you have to actually be scared watching this movie. It's more yeah. of like you understand the fun part of the fear. Hey, but you know what? For And this is where everybody was thinking about, hey, there's some blood in this movie. It's the Disney Plus thing, right? But yeah. Definitely, it's something that like I, I would think. Well, you know what? Why is it, there's blood gushing out of them? Like there's a severed hand. There's, it's not just a, it's like not like a little little kid special. You know, it's it's an yeah. actual like. It's more I, gore than most Disney movies. But it's um, not over the top. But it's not True. over the top. Like I literally had a friend call okay. me and say, "I want to watch it, but I'm not in a headspace right now to watch really gory movies. Can you watch it first? And I did, and I go, "Look, it's got gore in it." But it's mostly off-screen gore, and even when somebody's severely injured, it's more played for laughs than for like, oh, look at the pain they're in. Uh, like literally, the scene, the thing she said was like, I don't want to see somebody get a broken leg. And so, yeah, an arm gets severed, but like literally, like, the guy's fighting. So it's like, <laughs> can I say something? The geek in me was kind of trying to connect the MCU line, right? I was like, like vampire he mentioned it oh you know like he mentioned all these these, these busts right well, he and he goes oh like i didn't like oh i i fought that guy a lot you know but i never he never knew never took him down and then i was thinking could like hold on there were vampires in blade so so like, i had i had a I, this is silly i i don't I, I like the movie a lot right the the only complaints i have i'm gonna flat out say right now they're silly complaints they're not real complaints they're just like good. i mean they're not perfect but good. no 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 not that they're they're me complaints they're complaints of things i wish they were and okay. that's an example of it um the director came out and said that he was not going to have cameos mainly because he didn't have permission to have cameos let's be honest like like he went to feige and they talked about it and they're like no no we decided from the beginning we weren't gonna have cameos well, blade huh i bet you he wanted cameos uh, and and blade would have been perfect here you know who else would have been perfect here craven the hunter Oh um, yes, but but we can't get them because Sony. But here's the thing that they could have done and didn't, and that's where I'm sad. Those busts that are on the wall, all those are are generic monsters made by some really talented special effects artists. I mean, one of them could be a vampire, but like beyond that, like none of them are anything specific. I, I mm. wish if if I were the producer of the show, I would have given the special effects guys a bunch of copies of 1950s Marvel monster movies and said. Just make these things for the bus. And I mentioned that to somebody and they're like, what? You'd have them kill a character that maybe they could bring back later? But I'm like, most of these guys are literally giant alien races. You could just say one member of that race got killed by Bloodstone, you know? And and, and the thing is, once you see these designs by Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko, um, if you see it, you're like, you would instantly recognize that as a statue. You'd be like, oh, that's Orgo. Oh, that's Roomba, you know, that kind of stuff. You'd know who they were and, and that's cool. Um, they didn't do that. And, and they didn't have to, but I wish they did. The other thing I wish they did is I wish all of the hunters were actual characters from the comics, but I also get why they didn't, considering they all get killed off. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I'm hoping, because each of them has a unique enough look, I'm hoping they get introduced to the comics, even as jokes. I hope they get introduced to the comics, because they're fun characters. Overall, for me, I enjoyed it, especially watching with my family. We dug it. My wife was like, that's it? And I'm like, there's not more work. I'm like... <laughs> Yeah, but you know what? I'm okay with it. Like I'm okay with it being a one shot. I love the. It feels like there's a. It wants you. It leaves you wanting more. I am really hoping this becomes an annual tradition. I hope every year we get a Halloween special. Oh yeah, huh? you're right. That would be actually really good. 
uh, what this year, uh, werewolf next year, probably something else like Frankenstein. Well, well, why, why not have werewolf in each one? Like as a guest star, like he'll be the connecting thread. Yeah. It's literally werewolf's power is that he only gets a superpower one day a month. So like he only, I mean, <laughs> oh my God. so you can't, well, let's, regular let's talk about, um, let's talk about Jack, right? All let's right. talk about Javier that. Garcia Bernal's Jack. I'm not going to give him a last name because it's just Jack. Yeah, well, I mean, in the comics, his last name is Russell, which, yes, it's a joke. Jack Russell is a type of dog. Uh, and, of course, like I said earlier, the main character in the comics was originally Romanian. I think Rosoff was his name. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he's Jack. Like, that could be his real name. It could be his fake name. He's, he's I love like, them. He's like he's like Bruce Banner. Or, sorry. He's like, um, what they call him? Um, David Banner from the old Hulk TV show where he's like going city to city, hoping nobody recognizes him as the monster. So gotcha. maybe Jack Russell's an alias. Who knows? I like him. I like that he, his, his, his screen presence was great. It was unassuming because you're thinking, Hey, he's in this room with these other hunters. So we know he's good enough to be there, but he's not giving you that aura. Right. And he almost comes off very, I don't want to say, is, is it wrong to say meek in a way? Oh, not only does he come off meek, uh, you know who else he, uh, the actor plays at uh, Disney, right? He's Hector from Coco. Oh, that's oh, right. Really? He is Hector. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Very much Hector as as a uh, werewolf. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He he's is Hector. Good guy who people see as kind of a little bit of a snake, but no, he's a good guy. Yeah, he's the one that sang sang it in the uh, song. Remember me? Yeah, yeah it's like I, I remembered. You remembered him. You remembered him. <laughs> I like him in his films, dude. I loved him, of course, mm -hmm. Itumama Tambien. Oh, yeah. I loved him in Rudy Cursi. That's one of my favorites right there. Um, I thought he did a great idea. I love that you said that when he gets knocked out midway through the movie and he wakes up, he's speaking Spanish. Yeah. And and, and earlier in the movie, when they show his, his face paint, he goes, yeah, it's, a, it's, an, it's honoring my ancestors. This is never explained. But given the context of who the actor is, that could be some Day of the Dead makeup, and that uh, you know, and he's, he's that's what it is. What are some? I mean, I, 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 won't, I don't want to say because I have I have good and bad, right? I enjoyed it. I loved it. I love the homage for it. I love how the transformation of the wolf with the smoke and the lighting. Oh yeah, was you done. That was yes. all live on yeah. set, right? That there was that was all like he literally just had people getting closer to the camera and getting bigger. To make it look like he's changing in front of her. Like My son loved it. He's like, you know what? The black and white lent itself, allowed the costume and the makeup to not look like, like he said, well, because it's black and white. He goes, it's okay that the costume looks the way it does. Yeah. And see, that's my other slight complaint. It's a minor one. And that is, uh, I don't like the way the werewolf looks because you see too much skin. And people, the, the argument is, is they're trying to do a classic werewolf look. But the thing is, Lon Chaney Jr. had more fur on his face. <laughs> I, 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 and if you look at the the first appearances of Werewolf by Night, he looked just like Lon Chaney Jr. Uh, my, my favorite artist to do Werewolf by Night, by the way, is uh, 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 Manko, Leonard Manko, uh, who did the Werewolf by Night in the 90s, who did this really horrific, like overly black lines and, and, and like shadows everywhere of this really horrific werewolf. That was like my favorite. And instead, we got a guy who still just has like tufts of fur around his chin. It was cool because we don't see him very well in the light. And I think if we had a really good view of him in the light, it would have looked worse. My hope is that since he was artificially transformed by the bloodstone, mm. that next time he appears, when he fully transforms, we'll get a little bit more wolf out of that werewolf. That's my. That hope. would be a very convenient way it, to explain that. It helps the budget. <laughs> <laughs> like all because the money, all the money goes into man thing let's be honest true because man thing oh my God, just, yeah it's awesome you know but my son and we were talking he's like yeah if it wasn't color and high def and everything it would have looked bad it would just look like a bad halloween costume with with a couple <laughs> extra bucks cast in there supposedly, like, supposedly marvel required this is the first time director by the way supposedly marvel required the director to film it in color just in case they decided to run it in color instead because he wanted to do black really? and white and they were like, no. And then once they saw it, they're like, okay, you can run it in black and white. Like, like we like what you did. We like what you did. Because at doing. the, at the end doing. of the film, what happens? 
Well, at the end of the film, she finally is in the place where she needs to be. We haven't talked to who she is. We can talk about her next. Uh, True, she once, is. Uh... Once she is where she needs to be, and once uh, I almost said Hector, <laughs> once uh, Jack is where he needs to be, color is restored to the universe. So it's not so... like it's not like WandaVision where there's like literal color being restored. It's more metaphorical. Like they've they've realized who they are now. She is truly the hunter and the heir of her father, whether she wants to or not. And he is truly a good man, even if people see him as a hunter. I mean, as a monster. El a monster. Elsa Bloodstone, yeah, the so daughter. Let's of, talk about Elsa Bloodstone. Let's talk about El Elsa Bloodstone. And let's let's talk about the actor, uh, mm -hmm. the stepmother, as well. Oh yeah, the stepmother. Let's talk about. Well, I, I want to talk about Elsa for a second because she's okay. She's a, she's she's a series of things. First off. Eileen, Freddie, what did you guys think of, of Elsa in the show? I like her as a protagonist. She's the, like, I I did like her as a protagonist. I think I was behind her the whole time. Cool. She was she was easy to fit into the role of Jack's ally. Uh, and I think she just kind of was there. Jack was more my interest. I, I think they're setting her up for a bigger part of the Marvel Universe. That's why I'm asking. Eileen, what, what do you think of her? I don't know, like, what's it called? The uh, well, tell me, I guess, if, if I'm right or wrong on this, but I felt she was us, who she was the one that, like, like when the audience, the viewpoint, I could see that because even yeah, though she fully knows about that world, she acts yeah. like she's not part of it. So, as a result, yeah. he becomes the intro character. That's true. I hadn't thought about that because yeah, Jack is just kind of moving along with the wind, he's not really learning anything. He's just like, the thing's going here, I'm going here. Monsters there, I'm going that way, you know, that kind of stuff. Whereas she is, yeah. even though she's not learning it, she knows all the stuff. She's still the intro. I, I hadn't thought of that, I think that makes sense. She's the audience window. Um, yeah. So I, I want to give you her backstory in the comics for a second. Because um, first off, Ulysses Bloodstone, they, they don't go into detail in the movie other than to say he's held on to the Bloodstone for years and that he has led, the patriarch has led the family for years, which doesn't make sense if you think about it. How could one patriarch run it for generations. Well, in the comics, Ulysses Bloodstone is somewhere between 8,000 and 80,000 years old, depending on who you what? are. Yeah. <laughs> what? Um, but he's he, also, he's now a Muppet. He was literally, he got the Bloodstone as a caveman and over the years has taken many different names, the most recent being Ulysses Bloodstone, uh, where he has hunted monsters throughout all of history. Now, when I say hunted monsters, most of them he'd flat out kill, but occasionally he'd befriend them. He, be, he befriended, for example... Frankenstein's monster, uh, but usually he just murder him. Um, and uh, Elsa, if you look up Elsa's first appearance, she first appeared in a comic called Bloodstone Number One, and it, she was introduced as like a sixteen-year-old who had never met her father and didn't know he was a monster hunter. And it's just all cheesecake. Like the cover is just look at her butt. Look at this girl's butt. That's what the cover mm -hmm. is. Ridiculous. Ah. And honestly, nobody liked that comic. They were trying to like go for this like Laura Croft demographic kind of type thing. Nobody yeah, liked it. Did not sell, didn't sell, never got picked up again for, for a long time. And then another writer came in and picked her up and just completely threw out her origin and said, screw it. She grew up with her dad and her dad was an asshole. Um, there's literally in her new origin, her dad takes her as a baby and says, Elsa, someday you're going to be a monster hunter just like daddy. And that day's today. And he throws her into a pit where as a baby, she has nothing but a little baby spoon and has to fight a giant demon. And she wins. Wow. Uh, and, and the thing is, is that she grew to kind of hate her dad for being such a jerk of a father. But he also taught her to be the greatest monster hunter ever born. Uh, and in fact, there's a, there's a funny panel that I love. Um, they did an alternate universe Captain America where he's a jerk. And he points at the A in his head and goes, you think this A stands for France? I don't back down. And that's just like the most bigoted Captain America ever. But they did a parody of that with Elsa where she's got the EU symbol on her chest. And she goes, you think this E stands for America? I'm not stupid. And I, I love that idea that she's this snarky, angry monster hunter who's good at her job, but just so full of herself. Now, that all being said, come back to the actor playing her. I think it's interesting that they chose an actor who's closer to my age than to a teenager, not because they need to have young women be the heroes, but because MCU, they want to last forever. And I just figured they should just start casting young people so they can last longer. Um, but that being said, <laughs> I thought she did a great job in the role. My only concern is I don't think they gave her enough to work with. I don't think because she is not true because of the beginning of the show, she's not settled into being a monster hunter. She doesn't have a lot of snarks to give. 
So I think now that she's settled into her role, next time she appears in the MCU, we're going to see that snarky, angry Elsa that fans have grown to love over the years. That's because yeah, I don't know. I don't know much about her because this is my first introduction to her and this this part of this corner of the universe, right? Yeah. And so when I saw her through the film, for me, I looked at her more as, and I think he's right. I think thinking about what he said, uh, I like that, that she's us looking view. into this world, the audience point of view. Me looking over the, the film, if you will, I'm waiting for Jack to do his thing. Like, because I know he's the wolf. I mean, it's called we Werewolf know. at Night, right? Yeah, it's called Werewolf at Night. So I want, but she's helping him get there. So I see her as a secondary character, but honestly, we're the ones watching and she's just helping them get along, get out of there. Cause I love that it didn't take the whole fucking movie to get man thing out of there. Yeah. yeah I kind of thought he was going to be in the whole movie and, and I'm glad he wasn't as much as I do wish there's more of him because it would have been a different film. And this was a, honestly a chance, even though it was only 54 minutes, I think a chance for both those characters, characters, Jack and Elsa to get developed. I, I really hope that, like you said, this becomes something annual that we get Jack, we get maybe a glimpse of Elsa. Well, um, I guarantee you, Elsa's going to show up in Blade or some other movie soon. Why um, not? Like, that was the one thing I was like, oh, is that, and I'm like, it maybe Blade? Like, that fits right in there somehow to just start. Because remember, what was it? Back when the MCU was doing what, phase two or whatever, they're like, okay, they uh, magic. Magic is real. So yeah. Doctor Strange, now everything's possible, right? Mm -hmm. Thor, space aliens, there's gods and this. Okay, cool. Now we have monsters. Why, why I, I can't we? Say, speaking of which, this is not the first time Man-Thing's been referenced in the Marvel Universe. My, MCU, I mean. Uh, this is actually his third reference and his first actual appearance. Um, in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I know questionable can canonicity, I believe it's canon. Kevin Feige has put doubt on it. Um, there's actually a scene where Maria Hill is talking on the phone. She goes, what's in Florida? What's a man thing? Like she says mm. something like that, right? And then in mm. Thor Ragnarok, there's a giant statue of the former champions before the Hulk got there. One of the statues is man thing. So clearly oh. Ed has been to, to uh, Sakaar and he's fought in the, in the editorial arena. That's That's awesome. I didn't think of that. The uh, story now, now I would like to know the story and how he got there. I want to see Ted because Ted's a pacifist. Ted, uh, the monster man thing, only attacks if you are angry or scared. Otherwise, he has no interest in attacking you, right? But as soon as you get scared, he instinctively wants to attack you. And that's something they don't explain in the show, uh, is that there's a saying that says, whoever knows fear burns at the man thing's touch. And you see, when he grabs Jack, he doesn't burn. But when he grabs the Scotsman, the Scotsman's head just catches fire and it melts off. Because Such a cool effect, by the way. Yeah. It was done really well in black and white, too. It was. No, I was going to say, too, when she, when he, when Manthing grabs the, the, step the lady. Yeah. The stepmom. Yes, that was actually, it's uh, quite vivid for being black and white. It was quite vivid. I, like, I, I saw. I, I knew she had to die. I knew Elsa really couldn't kill her for her hero's journey to work. Um, and it was a beautiful death. Yeah. And she was great as, like, the, the heel. Right, like she was she great. Really was. She really was. I loved her, just her vibe, her energy. Like, oh yeah, she she's gonna be the one I hate. Uh, and I love the a little sarcophagus of uh, the the what is it, the Elder Bloodstone being cranked for you. Uh, 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 uh. It's hilarious. I loved it. Overall, great, great special. I think we all enjoyed it. I want to talk about the ending. Right, we get to the point where Jack, you know, he's you know we. We get hints at, and we we know, we hope, and we most of the time, ninety percent know, he's gonna recognize her. He's not gonna kill her, right? We kind of go, okay, we're pretty safe bet. If if it, it would have turned sideways and, and he killed her, oh, damn, you, shut you my know, mouth. You know what's interesting is that as I was watching the movie, I was thinking to myself, it would have made more sense to call this movie Bloodstone than to call it Werewolf by Night. But a couple factors. Number one. Calling it Werewolf by Night get, tells you right now this is going to be cheesy. Like, this is a cheesy movie. We're doing that on purpose. Uh, and number two, if you called it Bloodstone, then you'd know for a fact that she's going to live. You know? True. Whereas, as it was, you don't know if you're not a fan of the books that she's going to be a big character later. Um, so, yeah, calling it Werewolf by Night, even though I really feel it's more her story than his, makes sense. It does. And I think that the ending, when everything Jack wakes up, and like you said, let's kind of piece it together. At the end, she picks up the bloodstone. Color, right? she, the color comes right into the room. 
And like you said, things are where they need to be. So do we look at it as things are so out of whack? That's why we saw everything, this darkness, this scariness. But now things are in order. She was denying the person that she really was. And Jack mm. was pretending to be somebody he wasn't. And Ted, who is definitely not a bad person, was seen as a monster. Uh, in fact, the ones who were seen as good people were monster hunters who killed indiscriminately. Uh, Ulysses Bloodstone, we never got to meet him, but he knew better than to kill every monster he saw. So, yeah, the world was upside down at the beginning of the movie. So now that the world is where it should be, color comes back. And it was a mm. fun ending. We have Jack fun. waking up, Man-Thing making coffee. He had a coffee press. I, I got to like, say, as a comic book fan, that threw me off because Man-Thing is different levels of smart at different times but you will almost never see him smart enough to play solitaire and make coffee. <laughs> I was like, okay. Uh, in fact, if I could really quickly, there was only one, not one, I guess one major story where man thing was actually able to talk like a normal person. Um, and it was written by RL Stein of all people. Uh, wow. the, the, the goosebumps writer wrote a man yeah. mini series and in it, uh, Ted can talk for no reason that they ever explain really. And he decides to go to Hollywood and become an actor. And I was like, what? What is this okay. happening with man thing? Why are you doing this? I get what, 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 what you could have just hacked any monster from Marvel's catalog to do this. You didn't have to use man thing. There's something there, man. You've opened my eyes to man thing. Now I'm gonna keep an eye out everywhere for him because I think it's a fun, oh, fun there's character. A, there's a big place he's gonna be. Which what, place, Kevin? Where is all where are all the major Marvel movies headed to right now? What is the big crossover thing they're gonna be doing? Well, it's gonna be the um Kang. I mean, we're looking yeah. at uh, Kang, yeah. Where where does Kang fight? The multiverse. He fights in the multiverse. Uh, Man Thing's job is to protect our dimension from other realities. That is his day there job. We go. We're gonna get more Ted. So Ted will come back. How and where Kevin Feige puts him? I don't know. If he shows but. up in the fucking Ant Man movie, I'm gonna lose my mind. <laughs> If he's Honestly, in Quantum Mania, I would love to see Ted interact with with Scott Lang. That would be great. That would be so, hilarious. Mr. Garcia says you're our Marvel expert, resident I, Marvel expert. Wait, uh, hold on. He's going to interrupt you. Hold on. Get to the question in a second. Hold on, mm -hmm. Freddie. You just said the most beautiful thing you ever could have said, which is Marvel in the '70s had a tradition of putting out special editions that were called like giant size X-Men or yeah. giant size Avengers. One of the comics that everyone loves making fun of is giant size man thing. And <laughs> if Ted were to show up in an Ant-Man movie, we could get giant size man thing in the comic, in the movie. Literally giant size man <laughs> okay. thing. I'm sorry. That is something that could happen. Oh, shit, huh? right? I'm sorry, Edwin. Get to your question. No, so I, I don't know if I heard it from you guys last time or I heard it from somewhere, but that, but that the uh, Jack, right, the werewolf, has something to do with uh, Moon Knight, right? Yeah. yeah. So Moon. Knight no, now the reason why I bring that up is because you know I just finished watching the movie and everything, right? Good movie, mm -hmm. and. And the next thing that it recommends me to watch is right now showing me on TV, like, oh, you know how when you finish watching the movie, you're like, oh, well, here's another movie that you would like to watch. Well, it's suggesting me Moon Knight. Right I now. feel like the two things are very much thematically related. Yeah. But in the comics, um, so, uh, Moon Knight's first appearance was in an issue of a Werewolf by Night. Uh, Werewolf by Night was the bigger hit. And Moon Knight was literally just a guy whose job it was to be hired to to kill a werewolf that was his whole thing yeah crazy mm -hmm. moon knight but uh you know i think it's a consensus here uh i know we didn't dig deep 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 but obviously go watch the film go watch the special right i must say it's a film i mean it's a short film but it's, film, it's, it's fun special. yeah 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 uh, i can't and, wait to see more of them to be honest i think it's gonna be really i feel cool. like it's one of those situations where it's like perfect as it is but it gives you so much lore in the world that if you want to continue, the world is already there. And they don't force it down your throat. It's not like lore that's just exposition, talked and talked and talked. I mean, they do at the yeah. beginning. But even the talking at the beginning is just silly. Oh, that reminds yeah. me. Uh, there is a, a fun little Easter egg at the beginning of the movie that I've not seen any of the other YouTube channels that talk about uh, the Easter eggs mentioned. And that is 
um, when the narrator is talking about the fight or the place where they're going to be hunting, he said, it is where monsters prowl. And that is literally the name of a monster comic book from the 70s that Marvel had, which was just... It's a fun little Easter egg. You know, it's just fun little yeah, bit Kevin of Kevin Garcia, everybody. Yeah. KevinGarcia.com. <laughs> Please look this man up, man. He is the encyclopedia here for the show. But Primos, I think overall, like, I mean, I, I dig the film. My, my kiddo loved it. Wifey loved it. Um, I'm sure everybody here enjoys it. But, uh, I mean, like anything that's good, you know, everything has. I think that we're going to kind of see something happen here. Like, this type of project, this type of special will spring others, right? But well, what I don't want... Wait, we already know one's coming. The Christmas special, right? Yeah. The Guardians of the Galaxy. I, I didn't even put the connection to you said that to you said that right now. But yeah, there's another special just uh, two months from now. So yeah. But what yeah. I don't want to happen is I don't want any Easter one. I don't want a 4th yeah, of July one. I don't want... Yeah. Like I want... The Halloween is very fitting. Christmas, okay. Silly, I don't yeah. want it... Yeah, I mean, because we're already... We're fair. We're oversaturated with superhero content. You know. You know what we need? We need a, a St. Patrick's Day special. You know, just because. Ooh, what? Huh? A President's Day special where all the heroes get new oh matches. Yes, yes. They all. T- they, we, you know, but I wanted to be dark. I want a dark President's Day where oh, yeah. it's, Actors it's like, come alive. Yeah, exactly. I want the statues that were toppling over, and to come back to life, and then the Mar- the, the Avengers come and just. I don't know. Set them all on fire. There's actually a comic book where Deadpool is hired by the U.S. government to kill all the former presidents because somebody accidentally brought them all to life as zombies, and they don't want government officials being seen shooting former presidents. So they hire Deadpool to kill zombie Lincoln and zombie Taft and zombie Roosevelt. And it's a great comic. You know what? Talking about zombies here, one thing I love Marvel zombies. I know that's coming, right? Because we had a the what if. Mm-hmm. The, the what if kind of touched on Marvel zombies and there's supposed to be a Marvel zombies. Yeah. They, like, they, they, they announced when it's going to come out. It got delayed a little bit. I think originally it was going to be. Do you think, do you think that's next year's special? No, nah, it's not. Cause they already said it's going to be a cartoon series. Hmm. Uh, I don't know how many episodes I I'm not a big fan of the Marvel zombies universe. That is I, fun. I, I, it's fun, but it's also like dark for dark sake. Like the campy horror and I like serious horror. But I don't like the edgelord horror that's just like Peter Parker ate Mary Jane because he was a zombie. And I'm like, I don't I don't care. That doesn't do anything. You like zombie Galactus? You don't like zombie, zombie Silver Surf? Zombie Galactus? God damn. Yeah, well, they, they do. The, the zombie Galactus is a good story. I agree. But most of the Marvel zombie stories turn me off. I mean, I'm not saying none of them are good stories. There are good stories in it. Um, Kevin, but like, you know, it's okay. We're not always going to agree. And that's Okay. <laughs> That's just remember okay. that I'm always correct. You know what? You're you're correct most of the time, but for this one, I think you're. I think we we'll disagree. <laughs> I'm right. The Marvel zombie stuff is fun. It's it's it's, it's 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 zombie horror to the extreme. And then you think about, hmm, how's Wolverine infected? And there's a whole explanation for it. You know what I mean? Like it's a virus that infects the Marvel u- universe, and it's it's awesome. It's own little microcosm. So I enjoy the Marvel zombies. But overall, guys. I think that that's going to wrap us up here tonight. Edin, thanks for joining us, man. I know you don't get to, to do this often because you are off gallivanting, doing God knows no. what. But as yeah. always, I want to thank you, man, here on the air as well for just doing the editing, the heavy lifting. You are amazing. You are a hero. Yeah. Definitely, man. And Moving uh, in the dark, as you call it. Moving in the dark. Moving in the dark. Moving, moving. What, we, what you do in the shadows, my friend. You, you know? are. You are the monster that dwells. Uh, ooh, spooky. Spooky. But Primos, thanks for listening tonight. I want to thank Kevin, of course, as always, for jumping on here and giving us his expertise. Uh, please look forward to our shows here coming up. We also have a Texas Latino Comic Con, uh, October 22nd. Uh, keep an eye out for that. And then we have Mix American coming up November the 5th. Mm-hmm. That's in mm-hmm. Austin. Um and we are going to be at Texas Latino Comic Con in Dallas, October 22nd. I'll be at Mess American at least as a guest, uh, not like a participating anything. I want to just go enjoy the show. And by the way, both shows are free to the public. All right. And while they are, and it's something like I've said before, while they're spotlighting Latino, Latina, Latinx creators, um, everybody is welcome to come. Uh, everybody is welcome to be there. We want to share 
with the world. So please come. It's free. Bring your families. They're family-friendly events where, where there's going to be, uh, like, <laughs> I know, at for example, Mexamericon, there's going to be uh, Lateria played there. So they're going to have some fun with it. They had, uh, last time they had a band. There was a car oh, show. Last time I went to Mexamericon, it was fun. So definitely check that out. Uh, the, one in, uh, the one in Dallas is going to be going along with an art show for Day of the Dead that's going on. And the one in uh, Austin is going to have a Day of the Dead ceremony. Not ceremony. Celebration. Uh, that's going to be going. So both of them are having, like, ongoing events. So it's, like, really, really cool. Keep an, eye, keep an eye out on social media for that. And, of course, listen to the show. Remember, guys, hit our link tree. Tell us your thoughts on Werewolf by Night or anything else, any shenanigans that we hear on the show. We really, really appreciate uh, you guys for listening. Uh, have a great night. Take care. And we'll see you soon. Good night, boys and ghouls. <laughs> <laughs>